This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today, I'm excited to have John LaFoon on the program again. This is from the webinar that I did during the Transformative Leadership Summit with John LaFoon, and it was a fantastic webinar with him. And he talks about how to implement big changes like doing a crazy schedule in your school. So I hope that you listen to this, you learn from it, and you can start implementing some ways to change in your school. This is the last uh, thing that I'll post from the Transformative Leadership Summit, which was an awesome, awesome experience. I learned a ton. Over a thousand educators participate in it. We watched over 20 days of video. That's amazing. It was so much fun and made such great connections and learned so much. I'm so stoked about it. It's not too late for you to get access to all of those. You can just go to transformativeleadershipsummit.com. And sign up and I'll send you a link to get all the videos and you can learn from all of these wonderful people. I've got a link in the show notes to get all of that if you would like. So transformativeprincipal.org. Thank you so much for your support, for listening to this. If you are just coming to the Transformative Principle because you listened to the summit, thank you so much for being here. Please subscribe to this podcast and there's about 130 seven other episodes going back in the back catalog. A lot of really great interviews and go through, find something that'll be beneficial to you, something that'll be helpful to you and implement one thing to improve your school this week. And make sure that you subscribe in iTunes or in Google Play or whatever you listen to. Make sure you come back and hear from the speakers we've got or the guests we've got coming up next. They are amazing. Good morning, and welcome to the live Q&A. I'm really excited to welcome John LaFoon on, and he should be joining us here in just a moment. This is a uh, very exciting thing for me to be able to talk to him because he is awesome, and I'm very much looking forward to to talking with him. So I want to, before we get started, I want to talk about what is coming up today. And I'm going to do that by sharing my screen. 
If you haven't checked out the sessions for today yet, some of you may have just gotten your emails about this. They just barely went out right as I started. And today I want to share with you first, Don Wetrick is going to talk about inspiring kids to be more. And Emily Drake is going to talk about personal advisory boards. She runs Flank 5 Academy, which is essentially a, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's basically a place for people to go and surround themselves with five amazing people. As Jim Rome Jim Rohn says, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I'm probably totally screwed up that description. Sorry, Emily, no offense. But that is something that... Uh, what she talks about is personal advisory boards and how to get one for yourself, how to invite people to be part of them. Really cool discussion. And finally, Damon Hargraves, who is the assistant principal at the school I work at, and he is fantastic. And you're going to learn from him about how to design and develop your own app. And that is something that is uh, seemingly out of reach for a lot of us because we're not coders or anything like that. But he talks about how to make it a possibility. So you're going to enjoy that. I think he's doing a fantastic job and I'm excited for you to, to learn from him just to quickly go over the rest of the schedule, because we're starting to get into the meat. And if you haven't been watching all the videos at this point, you need to watch all of these videos because there's some amazing stuff. Jennifer Gonzalez is going to talk about getting feedback from teachers and how to make it so that they'll actually talk to you about what is going on. Eric Connor is going to talk about self-care for leaders. Incredibly powerful and really awesome. Paul Erickson is going to talk about how um, he's at Principal Paul, how he uses Twitter, and he's going to talk about micro-credentialing and get some of that conversation started, which is pretty awesome. And then on Friday, I don't have pictures, I'm sorry, Rob and Erica, but Rob Carroll and Stacey Cowan are going to be um, talking on Friday. And then Erica Mortensen and Christina Lufrano are going to be talking as well. And they're going to talk a lot about culture and how to build that culture. Erica and Christina are going to talk specifically about teacher tribes. And that's a group that they've formed to help help teachers be the best that they could be. And so definitely a good resource you can send your teachers to. Uh, Rosa Isaiah is going to talk about equity, and she's one of the surprise guests that kind of kept back before and really good conversation about how to have some of those tough conversations and what you do when somebody says something that probably is not appropriate and how you deal with that and and what you say. And so that's a that is a good conversation to have. Lavana Roth will be speaking on uh on Saturday. And what I love about Lavana is that you just feel happy to be around her. I've never met her in person and Daniel did this interview, but she is, her little tagline is ignite your shine. And she embodies that completely. And just reading uh, or just watching her, her interview and listening to her talk and reading her emails has been a joy. Marlena Gross-Taylor is going to talk about how to deal with multi-generational situations at your at your school, how you lead people who are in a different generation than you are, 
And that's a really fascinating discussion because we don't always know how to interact with people that are from different generations. And so there are some real challenges in leading people who are generations older than you and generations younger than you and not understanding who those people are and why they're doing the things that they're doing. So really good conversation. She's got some great stuff in the all for people who did the all access pass. And then we have Liz Wiseman. Whoa, best-selling author. Check out these books she's written. Multipliers, The Multiplier Effect, and Rookie Smarts. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> I can't believe that we were able to get her on here. She is so gracious and so humble and just, you know, was very generous with her time with me. And you're going to learn some amazing things. My favorite thing from my conversation with her was the low situational confidence and high self-confidence conversation that we had. I mean, that was just amazing. And it really helped me understand and learn how to approach a new situation, especially and really really fantastic conversation. So I'm really grateful that she got on the summit and is helping us learn. And also, I just want to like, she used to work at Oracle and was the vice president of Oracle University. So she knows how to educate people and just very awesome. I'm really excited about that. So that's that's on Saturday. And if you have the all access pass, you can already go and and check it out. So you can watch the video already and you can you can listen to the audio already. And then on Sunday, we have John Linney, who is going to talk about creating safe environments. Sean Gaylord, who's going to talk about celebrating Monday. And finally, Ray McNulty, who I've been a big fan of for as long as I've been a teacher. I've read his articles. I mean, he's one of the first names in education I ever knew. So very exciting to um, be chatting with, with those guys and really a great lineup coming up for the rest of this time. So if you haven't yet, go share this with others and get them excited. Now, if you do have the all access pass, you're going to click on this little dashboard button right here. And that is going to take you to the to the member side, which has all of the videos. And this is where you'll go to access everything. So it looks very similar, but you'll come over here and access it on this side, and that will allow you to get to all of the different videos and give you a little bit more as well. So that's how you'll get to that. And all right, so let me uh, stop sharing my screen. And John, if you got a little pop-up saying join, you should hopefully be joining soon. So John, it says that it has already sent you a request, so hopefully you can get on. And if you can't, then send me a text and let me know that you're not getting anything. And this happened with uh, Daniel earlier this week, and hopefully this doesn't happen again. I also want to excuse Daniel again. He's down in Houston getting, hopefully getting a new job. So uh, we wish him luck and, and wish him well on that. And hopefully he can do that. So before John gets on, I want to introduce him just a little bit. John is the superintendent of Star City School District in uh, in Arkansas, and he was the principal of Pea Ridge High School in Arkansas. And that while he was at Pea Ridge High School, he created the FlexMod schedule, which basically allowed students to have more time in their day and be able to have flexibility in what they were doing each day. And that is a really 
powerful thing for kids. It's powerful for anybody to have autonomy. And that gave kids the opportunity to have some autonomy that they otherwise would not get. And so I'm pretty excited for him to to be able to talk a little bit more about that and how to start the process for that. And let me try to invite him one more time. All right, John, welcome. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, I'm so glad that you made it on. And Eric, if you pop up, we'll welcome you to the conversation also. <laughs> oh man, this is uh, pretty exciting. Our test worked perfectly, right? I know, we got on and there was no issue. I didn't have to like scramble to to get everybody prepped and and explain things that I probably totally messed up on. So as you guys are, uh, as, as we're talking, if you... Uh, look down below the video. There's a questions, polls, and offers. If you want to uh, click in the question and you can suggest a question that you want me to ask John, then I can certainly do that. And then we may have some some polls going up. And then over on the side, there's a uh, there's a chat box. And if you want to just uh, put your name in there, say who you are and where you're from and what your role is, that would be awesome for us to know who you are and, and what you're doing. So uh, there's a few of you in here. So go ahead and do that if you don't mind. And John, let's let's just go ahead and get started. And uh, do you want to start talking about the Flex Mod in general? Thanks, Ro- Oscar. Appreciate you being here. Middle school principal in Rochester, Indiana, it looks like. Do you want to talk a little bit, John, about what the Flex Mod schedule is just so people have an overview in case they haven't heard of it before? Sure. Uh, a quick question for you. You know, I've got some leaders in my district that I think could benefit from this mm-hmm. exciting summit. So how do I get them hooked up with the summit, uh, accessing all the videos? Yeah, sure. So what they'll want to do is go to uh, transformativeleadershipsummit.com and then they just enter their email and they'll start getting emails of everything that, that we put out each day. And then to get the all access pass in each of the emails, there's a link to get that. And that's basically a conference ticket to go to the whole conference and not just part of it. So people who do that, they get the all the videos, access to all the videos like I just showed. They get access to uh, MP3s of all the videos in case you want to listen to them, like in your podcast player or something, instead of uh, instead of watching them. I know that's how I like to do things. And then they also get a bunch of bonuses that the presenters have provided. For example, we were talking today about uh, Marlena Gross-Taylor <laughs> and how she's talking about generational leadership and how she put some bonuses in there that are how to understand what characteristics the different generations have. And of course, those are oversimplifications and those are, you know, generalities and they're not everything about everybody, but they give you an idea of how people are. So for example, young millennials really like having autonomy and like being able to choose what they want to do. And so being able to give them those opportunities within a structure really helps you know, baby boomers who really like that structure and don't like people doing their own thing. So anyway, that's one of the things that uh, that is in there. So there's a bunch more. Uh, Daniel Bauer does a leadership sprint that is phenomenal and you get free um, access to that. That's a hundred dollar value right there. I put in my communication cards, which I sell for 10 bucks and that's an awesome thing as well. And then uh, just a whole bunch more stuff. So thanks for asking that and feel free to to share. It. And if 
you guys are watching and you have people in your district that need to hear it, please share it with them as well. Cause this has been phenomenal. I know if you're here watching this, it's because you found value in it. So, so thank you. Any other questions there, John? Well, I'm, I'm kind of typing some notes and taking some notes. If I look down. <laughs> I want to warn you, I'm a little under the allergies. They're a little different in the Southern part of Arkansas than we experienced in the Northern part of Arkansas. So I may have to drink a lot of fluids and I'm kind of, I'm kind of without a little voice today. So stay hydrated, man. That's important. And I think what you're talking about, I call them generation Z. That's our students today. And that, to me, that plays right into what we're going to discuss today. Flexibility and with the opportunity to provide student choice. So I think it's going to be a great day and it's going to be a lot of fun, I think too. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. And, uh, and down in the bottom under offers, you'll be able to, uh, to click to get the all access pass if you haven't done that yet. And, you know, one of the things that, that I haven't done yet that I'd like you guys to type in the chat box is I can send you an invoice to you so that you can have the district send me a, a check to pay for that rather than doing your credit card. If that's something that you'd like to do, if you'll just put that in the uh, say, yes, that's a good idea in the show notes, I'll, I'll send that out in the email tomorrow. If, if you guys in here think that that's a worthwhile thing to do. So let me know. And uh, let's, let's get into talking about the flex mod schedule, John. Sure. First, I didn't invent the flex mod schedule, a little history lesson, I guess, if you will. It was something that one of our teachers found uh, that was used, believe it or not, early in the 19th century. The data, the data that we found showed that it went back to, you know, some schools were using it in the 1960s successfully too. I don't know, you know, what it's kind of like the dinosaurs. There's some theories on why, why it went out of favor. But I think today it is relevant because we do have a different generation of students. Their attention span is, is so much shorter. They, they don't really have a lot of faith in the experts as we used to when I was in school. And, um, you know, they, they think, learn, and live quite a bit differently than, than the student that I was when I was in school, quite frankly, and a lot of our teachers. So that's kind of what led us here. Um, my superintendent I mean, at Pea Ridge School District, basically, um, we started talking about a change of schedule, and he really challenged us, my leadership team, my assistant principal, myself, uh, to find something better than a traditional industrial revolution schedule, which is exactly what a block schedule or what a traditional seven, eight period day schedule is for secondary schools. So that's kind of where we started with it. Uh, and a teacher found it, like I said, found some found some stuff on it online. And as we began to research it, um, probably the best thing that we were able to do is the superintendent allowed us to take a trip to a school in South Carolina called River Bluff High School. Um, the leader there, Luke Clamp, Dr. Luke Clamp, who's a, a, a mentor of mine today, just welcomed us with open arms, let us see what they were doing. They had actually implemented flexible modular scheduling. And um, it was just a great experience. And the thing that struck struck our leadership team when we were there is how the teachers seem to be less stressed, have more time. The students seem to be happy and love being at school, less stressed. Uh, they actually did teacher and student panels for us that day after we toured. And it was very organic. I mean, they randomly pulled students and teachers. It was not a planned, uh, a planned show, if you will, like you get a lot of times on school visits. And uh, that just struck us and, and we came back and we took it back to our school and, and that's where we started our process. Well, and what's so amazing is that you're talking about students and teachers 
being less stressed, feeling more comfortable, feeling more relaxed, and feeling like they can get everything done that they need to. Now, in education, that is just not how things are. It's busy, crazy, crazy busy all the time. It's pull your hair out because you're so stressed out. And, you know, one person told me that when I went into school leadership, he said, if you don't have PTSD after year two, then you're not doing it right. And, you know, I don't think that's how we want to live. That sounds awful, doesn't it? So, you know, that it sounds like a dream, this different kind of schedule. What makes it so much less stressful? I look at it like this. This is how I kind of gave the opportunity for our teachers to learn about it initially is that you think about, and I don't know if you guys do this, hopefully you do, you think about an eight-hour meeting, you know, an eight to three-er at a co-op or at a training where someone talks to you for eight hours with intermittent five-minute breaks and a 30-minute lunch. How do you feel at the end of that day? Awful. Exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're brain dead. You feel awful. You're, you're, you're tired. By the end of it, you can't focus. That's what we put our students through every day. And then the second part of that that challenge is, the data that I've seen shows that 50% of new teachers bow out within the first five years. Yep. So if we're asking adults to take that schedule at the secondary level and operate under it, and only 50% are making it, why do we expect something better of 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds do? And that's really kind of kind of what what drove us to, to lean this way and what drove us to develop this flexible schedule that's worked for us and now so many schools that, that came to visit are implementing it today. So I think if people want to know more about the the FlexMod, you've got a website, um, you've been on my podcast, you've been on other podcasts. Let's talk a little bit about how you make these changes, because what we really want leaders to have today is how do you get people to agree with, how do you get people to go in that direction? How did your superintendent get you guys to say we need to do something different. Can you talk a little bit about that change process and what elements have to be there? Yeah. Um, you know, first I want to say my superintendent, Rick Neal, was a visionary. He didn't make you do anything. And, that, and that's part of the process um, that I learned from him. And I think it's exciting to think about, you know, we talked about what we were going to do, how we could change things, these, these creative attempts to block schedule or change our traditional schedule. And, um, you know, he listened. That was the start of it. And then at the end, he said, look, I'm going to support whatever you guys want to try to do, um, but I think you can do better. And so that's the motivation. I mean, that's that's the carrot that he dangled right there for us. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times we lose that. To start this out, number one, you're going to have to develop a leadership team, develop an innovation council, and gather some data. And the data that we used or we saw was that for, you know, we were a literacy score, math score, award-winning school. We were top AP scores on our AP exams in our state, but my scholarship coordinator provided data. She tracked the students after they left our school that showed only about um, 65% of our kids were going to two and four-year institutions, which is right around the national and state averages, a little bit below the national, a little bit above our Arkansas state average. But for us, it was scary because 25 to 30% of those kids over three years were staying. And so I think that's where Mr. Neal knew you know, all along what he was what he was trying to get us to, but he let us come to our own conclusions. And I think that's important as you move forward is to develop a team, an innovation council, a leadership team, and then also gather data, get some student surveys. That's one of the things we did. You know, 60% of our kids said they enjoyed coming to school on a survey my first year as a principal there. And that's not good. 
Ouch. <laughs> yeah, that hits home pretty quick. Uh, and then you start asking for suggestions. You get student input. You get a counsel. And then you start to research and you gather your data. And then at that point, for us, it was to reach out to other like-minded individuals, take some site visits. I think that's hugely important. Go see what other schools are doing. We also went to a, a neighboring district there that was doing some innovative things and looked at their model, which was a new tech model. Obviously, we all know what new tech is. It's a great model. That wouldn't work for our community. Um, it just it didn't fit our students. It didn't fit our needs. Uh, and quite frankly, it didn't fit our staff that we had in place at the time. So you've got to do your research there, um, and then you've got to come up with, once you've gathered your data, taken your visits, that's where you start some of your initial planning. Uh, for us, we determined how we were going to get our data. We gathered our information. We were able to sit down and analyze it, and then we created our plan. And our plan started with teacher think tanks, uh, open whole staff. We wanted a lot of input, and we decided that we were going to take a vote to make sure if we decided to change our schedule that our staff was on board. We knew we wouldn't get 100%, but we knew we could build consensus by giving them time to analyze the different schedule options out there, talk about it, and then come in and, and have a vote. And we, you know, we established that we didn't want to do it if our staff wasn't on board with it. Yeah, so there are a couple things that you talked about, like they were no big deal. And I want to kind of push back on those a little bit. One of them is that you started looking at data and you could have looked at a lot of different pieces of data. And the one that you chose was, I'm sure you did look at a lot, but the one that you, that made the impact was identifying a problem. And the problem was that only 25% of your students were staying in college after three years, I think is what you said. So how did you decide that that was a metric that you needed to look at? Well, for us, it was it was a no-brainer, I guess. I don't mean to be facetious, but you take that. So I told you 65% were going, right? And you take that 25% are staying and being successful. Yet from the state department and from the traditional methods of looking, if, if our school is successful, 80% in literacy, 80% in math, proficient advanced. Uh, we're being very successful. We're winning awards for the success. But Mr. Neal's thing was we're, we're giving these kids this diploma and sending them out. Where are they going? What are they doing? What jobs are they getting? What colleges are they going to? Are they staying? That's the real data that you've got to analyze um, for us. And then the other part of that is we're, we've got to be student-based. So our surveys from our students that showed us that they didn't enjoy school, they weren't engaged. I think that was the data because we're about students. Our moral purpose is to serve our students. And if that's your why, then you've got to look at that data. You can't focus on solely test scores because if we had done the traditional thinking and focused on solely those test scores, uh, it, it would have pointed us to, hey, we're doing great. Let's don't do anything different. It's not working for some students, but it's working for most. All right. And so that's where we got to. I hope that kind of answers your question. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's one of the things where you can, depending on how much you're going to look at, you can find different things in the data that you have. For those who have the all access pass, because the time has passed now, Amy Fast talked a lot about how to get students to listen or to tell you what they really think instead of just like checking a box or not doing a survey at all. Um, she talks a lot about how to get students to actually buy in and say, yeah, I do care about you knowing what I think. And I'm going to work to make sure you do. And I'm going to work with you on that. So that interview with Amy is really good. And as part of the all access pass, you get some questions that you can ask and how you can phrase those so that they can have an opportunity to talk. And 
you know, looking at student data is important and there are so many different facets. You you talked about building a team of a leadership team. Can you talk about some of the steps that you uh, take to choose members of that team? Um, how you make sure that there's a, a difference of opinion. It's not just a bunch of people that are going to, you know, go along with you no matter what. Talk a little bit about choosing members of a, of a leadership team. I'm not a very smart guy, so I have to have a lot of help. Uh, that's what I know, and I know my weaknesses. So uh, obviously, when we went about that, the first year was just kind of a uh, assessment year, figuring out what we needed to improve, uh, assistant principal and I, and just like I said, we did some surveys. We talked to, you know, I interviewed every single teacher, talked to them about what we needed to improve on. Uh, and we did a lot of, of time just watching and learning about our building and our culture. And, you know, I, I will say this, Peerage High School was very successful before we went to this schedule uh, by most metrics. But I think if you really dig in and look at what was happening after our students left our school, you really can't call us being super, super successful, moving our students forward into life. And that's what we're really here for. Our moral purpose is to make sure that those kids either are career ready or college ready and they come back and they serve our community well. And so that's what drove us. We built our team. Um, we uh, went about very intentionally. We started with technology. Then we went about the PLC process in year two. Once we built those PLCs, we actually selected what we called our master teachers. And they were our facilitators from different areas of the board. And some of those some of those teachers were long term veterans who didn't you know, weren't in on innovating initially, didn't want to, didn't want to change anything because it was working for their students and for them. And then we also mixed that with some of our, our different staff that believed differently and, and felt a little differently and they cared more about relationships. So you have to get a good mix. And I think I'll say this, the key to anything you're going to do in a school is the culture and relationships. And if you don't establish those relationships with the community, with the students, to get the students to give you honest feedback, you have to establish relationships. And that wouldn't have been possible uh, in year one for us. So that's kind of our plan was technology. And then as we went from there, we went to PLCs. After two years of that, that's when we went to innovation and changes. And so it was a, a gradual process um, in getting buy-in. And, you know, I think I, I got a text last night that said that some of our students came back and one of our current students did a testimony to about what flexible scheduling has meant to them last night, to the parents and um, to the upcoming students. And they just said that was the best thing they've ever been a part of in that district. So, again, awesome. you build that leadership from the inside. You do have to have varying perspectives. I think that's super important. Um, and you have to, you know, you have to have a lot of input from different different sources before you just make a decision to roll and top down. We know that that can be successful in the short term, but it won't sustain itself. So I think that's why that's important. Yeah. And you've left Pea Ridge now and you want this to continue after you're gone, right? And for me, my one of my goals in leadership is are the things that I have start that I started, how long are those still continuing? So, you know, a quick example is at my the last school I was at, we had a big attendance issue and we increased our uh, average daily attendance from 85 to 95% and we just did one little thing. We made an announcement over the loudspeaker every day of what our attendance was. And that was all we did. And our attendance shot up uh, within three days. And then it stayed at 95% for as long as we were making that announcement, which was a year and a couple months. We started in like March or, or April doing that. And then it went all the way through. And then I was there for a whole nother year. 
So I talked to one of the teachers there um, at the end of the school year and asked if that was still happening and if the attendance was still high. And I've been, that was my second year gone from that building and that was still happening. And to know that that was still happening was very powerful for me because I put into place something that was able to continue. Now, I was the assistant principal at the time, and this year the principals left. So I'm curious to see what happens this year if that will, that will still be the case. But it was a strategy that worked, and for that to continue, that is very powerful. So, you know, talking about implementing leadership teams that make that change continue is really powerful. And what I keep telling my teachers at my school now is the things we put into place need to continue after me and they need to be stronger than my personality because if it's based on me being the leader, then as soon as I leave, that's going to leave too. And we don't want that to happen. At least I don't. I think that's a big waste of everybody's time. So, And I think um, that's directly aligned to, to the culture of the, of the school. And so that's a, that's a big testament to you. And I think it's important that we realize, you know, I had an old principal when I first started, I was having success, winning some games with a team that wasn't supposed to win, had no expectations from the community. One morning I came in with a pretty big head. I was a young man. I won't, I won't say how old I am now. And uh, he looked at me and he said, you know, coach, you got hit by a semi on the interstate on the way into work. We'd still have Greenwood basketball. <laughs> and he walked away. And that really hit home with me. You've got to build leadership. You've got to establish leadership. And you've got to raise that next generation of leaders while you're, while you're in those positions. Because, you know, at the end of the day, the schools are going to keep going to keep rolling on whether, you know, whether I'm the coach or whether you're the principal or not. And that's, that's really important for everyone to remember as well as you, as you establish leadership teams and leadership in your buildings is create that next generation of leaders. Yeah. So now you are the superintendent of a school district and you've got a whole new way of doing things, a whole new process. What are some of the things that you feel you must bring to this school district from your experiences in the past? A lot of the things you learn. Um, so kind of just start with empowering the leadership in the buildings. This district has done a good job of, of creating PLCs already in place um, and SIT teams, um, student intervention teams, and, and following that traditional PLC model. Uh, what I would like to see is, is the principals empowered in the buildings to um, lead a little more than be directed from, from my chair and uh, leadership, strong leadership team, strong um, instructional observation teams are part of the plan. But I think, you know, in my vision that I went over with the staff, the first thing we have to do right now, and the most important thing is establish our moral purpose. Why are we here? And so we're working on that. And all of our leaders are working on that with their staff after our all staff day is, is establishing that moral purpose and why we're here. And we can't do anything innovative, traditional, PLC wise, technology wise, until we until we do those things. And so that's the first step. And within that, it's about building relationships, relationships with the students, with our community, with the staff, with each other. And, and once we get those two goals accomplished, then we'll move on into the vision of making sure that we're providing relevant technology for all of our students, teaching in a way that's engaging. And then probably, to be honest with you, putting in flexible scheduling. And that may occur at the, at the elementary level, the secondary level, and then also Making sure that our teachers are supported in all those initiatives is, is a huge key. So you can't do anything unless the people that are in the ditch doing the digging are supported. And, and that's, that's the big thing that everyone has to understand and the things that I've learned 
having a chance to learn under my my last superintendent and my other principals that I've worked for. Yeah. So just as a side note, that sounds pretty cool to have flex scheduling at the elementary school, uh, a little more hectic than at the secondary level. But nonetheless, I think of my son who's uh, going into first grade this year and how he just does not love uh, sitting in a chair for eight hours a day. Not that any kid does, but my daughter who's going into third grade, the routine and structure of school is a dream to her and it's fantastic. So, you know, being able to meet different kids needs, you know, one of the things as you were talking about the need to establish a moral vision or moral purpose, is that what you said? Moral purpose. (laughs) The people there have probably already done some of that. How is your idea of establishing a moral purpose different than what has been done in the past. And talk a little bit about why you're saying that we need to establish that when people are already probably pretty well established in their moral purpose. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, clearly, I'm not saying that we don't have that in place. Uh, if you look Certainly at, not. If you look at the picture <laughs> above my head on the wall, we have that in place. But we've got to go back every year as a team, as a group, as a staff, as a faculty, and make sure that that's what we're about. And for us, it's our, our mission statement is ensuring high levels of learning for all, whatever it takes. And so you start there and then you go back and you, you look at your vision and what it says. You've got to start with your why and then you get to your what and then you get to your how. So for us, the what is relationships. So those are the two steps that we're going to work on this year is making sure that we are establishing relationships within our staff, within our community, with our students. And if we don't have those relationships and the students don't want to be here, they're not engaged, they don't feel safe, then, you know, the how, the making sure that we're ensuring all levels of high learning for all students isn't going to get done. And so for me, that's that's it, is making sure we're all on the same page with our moral purpose and vision and then getting to how our what and our how. And our what is relationships. And those are the two things that I've asked our people to focus on. And, you know, it, what I appreciate about your response there is that it's not about establishing, it's about making sure that, that it's clear and that it's what we're focusing on. But then it's also about them knowing what your moral purpose is as the leader. And sure. so it sounds like this is a little bit more for you than it is for them necessarily, because they need to know who you are as leader, what you believe and what you find value in. And so I think that that's a, that's a really appropriate place for you to be going in this new school, school district, excuse me. So, you know, I think we are a little bit longer than we had planned. And if anybody has any questions, go ahead and pop those in. Otherwise we're going to start winding down. And the thing that I want to start winding down with is what is the goal that you have for for moving your district forward? Like, is this a thing where you're going to do flex scheduling next year or is this a take as long as it needs to, or is this within three years? How do you make those goals and make them attainable, but also ambitious enough that people want to engage in them? I think you start right back at the process, um, similar to what we've already described. I'll, I'll be pretty brief with it. I think you start right back with number one, for me, it was, keeping an open mindset when I came in, a growth mindset, establishing my district leadership team, which is is our administration and, and some of our assistants and some other people from the central office, you know, like our curriculum, federal programs director, student services director, um, transportation technology, having those people involved. And just this year will be an assessment year. 
Um, we're assessing staff. We're assessing each one of those departments I just mentioned. Uh, we will see where we are. We will continue to put the focus on ensuring high levels of learning through our instructional focus, but setting those goals will really depend on where we are right now. I'm taking an assessment, and when I say assessment, you've got to assess all those areas, school safety, technology, transportation, learning, uh, student services, nutrition. As, as a leader, you've got to look at the whole picture, and uh, it's a little bit different than when, when I was in the building principal chair. You know, you're looking at your building. Your vision is it's kind of tunnel vision at times, but a good superintendent like I had gives you the experiences to be able to focus on some of the some of the district vision things. And uh, it's just an assessment time, just like you would do in a classroom or even with a sports team. I mean, you're not going to send a team out on Friday night, to play a football game, if you haven't rehearsed, practiced, drilled, and assessed where, where your students are, quite frankly. So it's very similar to, to anything we do in education from my chair. And then I think the key to setting goals will be our team sitting down and seeing what we need to work on, setting some goals, gathering our data, whether we're talking about instruction, or whether we're talking about maintenance, you got to collect the right data, know what you're looking for, and then sit down and, and make those decisions and make them be student-based and data-based. That's kind of kind of where we'll go. We haven't set a time on, on flex scheduling or anything like that yet. I think I know where we want to get to, and I've talked about that with our leadership team. But, it, it, you know, the timeframes of those things, you have to set timelines, but I think those timelines have to be flexible as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if they're if they're not flexible, then you're going to, you know, be setting yourself up for failure, essentially, because you're not going to be able to do everything whenever you want it, you know. So it it takes time and you got to make sure that you're willing to to work within that, you know. Yeah. And I think for us, you know, flex scheduling is great. It gives teachers more time. It gives students more time. It provides the building with a different culture because kids do feel as if they're um, owning a, a large piece of their education, which we talked about in the opening, is pretty important. But you know, for us, I want I want our our building leadership and our teachers in that building to say, "This is what we want to do." We've heard about it, we've seen it, we've made a visit or two. We want to educate them first, and then let them spin the wheels. Okay, let them get behind the bus and push. I don't I don't want to be the only driver on the bus, you know, with an empty bus and no passengers. Yeah, you certainly don't, and that's a that's a good way to describe that for sure. So, John, anything that you want to add that you haven't been able to before we sign off here? Yeah, I mean, I just want to encourage anyone that's going to watch or is listening to, you know, open up, open up your mind. Um, look at look at the Dweck work, the growth mindset, establish a PLN. Uh, I've learned more professionally from Twitter and the people that I've been able to connect with, like you, Jethro, than, than I've learned in any workshop I've ever been to. And then also put yourself around great leaders and, and they may be. Uh, coaches in your building, you know, they may be um, community members, business leaders. Um, I try to look at the business aspect in every every decision I make in our school district. Um, and I've learned from, from great business leaders, uh, including my dad. And I think that's very important to, to study those great leaders and see how they handle things, what they did. And then also, uh, if you want to get started, probably the best thing to do is seek out resources for us. It was um, Office of Innovation in education in Arkansas, in a call would be a good resource. Obviously, Twitter's a great place to go. Some leaders like Ken Grover, George Philhauer. There's a lot of great, great places you can start uh, within states. I know it varies, but really be open to looking at different things and, and know up front that it's going to be work. It's going to be work. But if your moral purpose is students, if that's really what you're about, 
know, I was talking to a principal a couple of nights ago and she said, this is tough work. And I said, but think about this in five years where your students are going to be because you're making changes that matter. And so if that's your real purpose, the work is valuable and you don't have to pay people extra. You, you know, you don't have to count hours. If everyone's driven by that moral purpose, you're going to be successful if you put that team in place. Yeah. Powerful stuff. And, you know, I put this uh, leadership summit together to give people access to those people that you mentioned that will help you be a great leader that will help you see the ways that you need to get better. So, you know, it's just been um, incredibly powerful for me to do this summit, to, to learn from so many wonderful people. You're the 41st person that we've had as a guest on here. And that's a lot of people with a lot of varying perspectives and so much power and wisdom in everything that we've been learning. And so for me, it's humbling. For me, it's incredible that we can get all these great minds together and people can come in and learn from them. And then we have these Facebook groups of principals who are wanting, people who are wanting to be principals or wanting to uh, grow in their leadership, who are like hungry to learn how to do better and how to improve themselves. And it's just awesome to be a part of them. We're going to talk a little bit more uh, next week in the closing keynote about masterminds and how you intentionally surround yourself with amazing other leaders to help you and support you and push you to be your best. So John, thank you so much. He just put his uh, Twitter handle in the chat there at Lafoon underscore John L A F F O O N underscore J O N. Can I get um, can I get one more one more brief plug in? Absolutely. One thing we did this summer is we had a lot of demand for uh, people wanting to talk about flexible scheduling. So we set up a small um, network called Pace, and it's I'll put it in, I'll put it up in the, the feed as well. And it's all about um, innovative school network that personalizes education and empowers teachers and students using flexible scheduling. So we created a flex summit uh, in partnership with the University of Arkansas. And we had people from all over the country. Right now we have 18,000 students, 18,864, if I remember correctly, <laughs> that are being impacted by flex scheduling this year because of the summit, awesome. because of PACE. So I'll, I'll put PACE uh, on Twitter as well. I'll put it up. And our job there is to be a resource, whatever you need. Um, to connect you to the right people, to visits, to uh, whatever we can do, any of the materials we've created to um, allow schools to look into flexible scheduling. So uh, this is a little plug for our Flex Summit. We're planning to do it again with the University of Arkansas. So you can find that information um, probably in, in April on Twitter or awesome. on our website. Yeah, I think that that is uh, fantastic. And that is something that I hope to be able to attend in the future. So uh, thank you to everybody who was here today. Thank you so much, John, for being part of this. The replay of this will be available on the transformativeleadershipsummit.com website so people can check it out. And again, that's uh, Pace underscore schools. Thank you for putting that in there, John. Thank you so much for, for being here, John. That was great. Hey, thank you for having me. And I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm, I'm very humbled to get to spend time with you and all these great leaders. Thank you. And we'll see the rest of you at the summit. Stay in touch, Jethro. Thank you. Will do. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Transformative Principle Podcast. I love doing this podcast and interviewing all these amazing people. 
I've got some pretty exciting guests lined up for the next couple months, and you're going to learn a lot from some really amazing people. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. Please go and leave a rating and review in iTunes or in Google Play so that other people can learn from this. And then, of course, share this with your friends, neighbors, relatives, especially other principals and educational leaders so that they can take their leadership to the next level. I have been your host, Jethro Jones. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Transformative Principles, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE.